Welcome to the Bovi UK podcast, where we will be discussing diseases from diagnosis through to management. These podcasts are aimed for registered vets and veterinary nurses. If you're listening as a pet owner, then we always advise that if you have any concerns about your animal, then please consult with your local veterinary surgeon. Today, I have Fergus Allerton with me to discuss antibiotic amnesty. Antibiotic stewardship is one of Fergus's many interests. Through his involvement with Samsung, Fergus has a huge interest in AMR and has been involved in the Protect Me initiative to encourage rational antibiotic use in small animal patients. More recently, Fergus has been editing the next edition of the BSAVA formula, which I'm very excited I do actually have with me. You'll be pleased to know. It's my regular go-to resource. So we are honoured to have Fergus join us today. Thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule, but I feel like this is such a hot topic we need to grasp and talk about. So welcome, Fergus. Thank you very much indeed. And yeah, I agree. It is it's a topic that hopefully will inspire people to get involved. And this is an example of really a good opportunity to be part of something that hopefully will improve antibiotic stewardship this year. So during this podcast we are going to try and and stay focused on the antibiotic amnesty. I think Mm. when we first spoke about doing this podcast we got very carried away we're talking about a range of subjects including Mm. the Protect Me initiative and also a shorter antibiotic course but just Mm. to let all the listeners know that we will be having webinars and podcasts as a focus on those specifically during the course of antimicrobial week in November so keep an eye out on the BOVA website and we will be talking more on the subjects there. So coming back to today's talk, we are talking about how the antibiotic amnesty can be a one health tool to tackle antimicrobial resistance. So Fergus, I'm wondering how you can talk about the one health approach and how the antibiotic amnesty came about. So the antibiotic amnesty was an idea of a group from NHS Midlands. So it is very much an initiative from the pharmacy side where they were recognising a missing link in the custodianship, the guardianship of antibiotics. So we know that antibiotics are prescribed to people and we encourage that to be done on a sensible and rational basis always as per Protect Me when you're talking about antibiotics in cats and dogs. We also recognise that there are reasons, a variety of reasons, why you may not complete the antibiotic course that you're prescribed in terms of ourselves. It may be that you get better. It may be that you pop your clogs. It may be that the antibiotics don't agree with you. And for whatever reason, you end up with leftover antibiotics. And work that's been done on the human side, found this ha- this occurred in about one one in six cases. Fourteen percent of people had leftover antibiotics at the end of the course, and that's pure strength. Full antibiotics, and then they would use them or dispose of them in a way that led to environmental pollution. So I think the environment is an critical part of that one health idea we need to make sure that we are addressing all these different aspects human health animal health and the environment and the way that we were disposing of antibiotics exposed the environment to unnecessary risk and if you end up with all sorts of antibiotic residues in your rivers in sites of refuse disposal this is only going to potentiate the development of multidrug resistance in the bacteria there, and then that will spread back and come back and bite us. 
<laughs> so it comes back into the human health via how? Via the waterways or via food that we it, eat? It can do. And I don't want to overemphasize. I recognize that disposal of antibiotics is not the only route by which antibiotics enter the environment and antibiotic mm-hmm. residues. They do pass through animals that have been treated and people that have been treated and they can get to it through that route or the resistant bacteria can. But there was a survey. It was called the Beach Bum Survey. And they looked at surfers and what they found was that they had much higher levels of carriage of multi-drug resistant E. coli than non-surfers, such as myself. So by going in our seas, you are exposing yourself potentially to bacteria that may be multi-drug resistant. And then that can have an impact later on. So you can carry multi-drug resistant bacteria. That doesn't always have a health implication. But if you're immunocompromised, if you're in need of a surgical procedure, if you end up needing chemotherapy, suddenly having these organisms in your household, in your direct environment, can mean that you're at risk of serious, potentially life-threatening complications. And if we dispose of antibiotics, we know that one third of antibiotics that are kept, leftover antibiotics, one third of them get thrown in the toilet or down water systems. And so that is, it may not be massive volumes, but it is potentially going to exacerbate that problem of environmental contamination. All of the continents in the world have rivers that have antibiotics in them. And that's not good for them. It's shocking that it can get into the environment that way. And I think if we come back to pet owners having leftover antibiotics, and I mean, that's shocking, 14% of patients reporting to have leftover antibiotics. Is there a way we can start to address that situation of leftover antibiotics? What can we do? So just to reiterate that, those numbers actually came from a study in people. So that was the human patients, so to speak. We we tried to do this as part of our antibiotic amnesty last year. We tried to incorporate a survey and ask some of the people who were returning antibiotics as part of the amnesty. We asked them how frequently they had had leftover antibiotics. And actually, we think that it's probably even more common in cats and dogs. And mm. 24% reported having them at the time and up to 38% and unfortunately our numbers were quite small so take these numbers a little bit with a pinch of salt but 38% reported that in the past at some stage they had had leftover antibiotics so I think it's even more serious of an issue for our clients our pet owners and I think that what we want them to do is not throw them away through household waste or via toilets. And also, really crucially important, we don't want them to become vets and start using them themselves. And we know this happens in both humans and among pet owners, that you'll have antibiotics left over from a previous wound infection that you had. And you'll say, well, I've now got a cold and surely those antibiotics will help in this situation. So they will take those and they will either use them in themselves or they might give them to family members or friends. And even we had a 
health secretary for a while, happily short-lived, who described how she would do that routinely. She would use her leftover antibiotics to help her friends when they required it. And this attitude is something that we really want to counter. It leads to all sorts of negative, unintended consequences, but it will delay diagnostics or uh, understanding what's actually wrong with the pet in those situations. It can Mm -hmm. lead to unforeseen adverse effects. We're not all as optimally treated with different antibiotics. There are certain breed predispositions that mean you may be more reactive to certain antibiotics. So owners aren't expected to be aware of all these things and the nuances and shouldn't be making those decisions. So we need to get those antibiotics back out of the airing cupboard, so to speak, and (laughs) make sure that they are used under veterinary supervision in appropriate circumstances. And that's the premise of the amnesty. I mean, it's a fantastic thing, but how do we start to approach that? We think about the owners storing these products, Mm -hmm. having a chat with one another, maybe going on Dr. Google or Mr. Facebook to solve all their problems and chatting to their friends and family. How do we reinforce that trust between the vet? They're actually going straight back to that vet in the first place. What things can be done to tackle this? I think it's multifaceted and there are lots of different things that we need to do. We recognise that there is a value to these antibiotics. Owners have often paid a significant amount of money to get the advice and to get the treatment. And for whatever reason, they haven't completed the course. And you've already mentioned that we're not sure in many situations how long an antibiotic course should be. And so we're using empiric data to offer five day, seven day, 14 day courses. And animals may get better far sooner than that, leading to these antibiotic being left over. I think we need to highlight to owners that while they have paid for these things, there is a greater cost from them using them inappropriately or from them disposing of them inappropriately in terms of the environmental damage and in terms of the potential risk to their pets. I mean, they're doing it for a good reason. I'm not claiming that they are ill-intentioned, but we want to make sure that they don't do that in a way that is dangerous for the animals that we're trying to treat. Oh, totally. And I think, of course, they've got the best intentions. They really Mm. want to help their animals. They love their animals. And that's part of why we love working in the industry we do, because, you know, our pet owners are so passionate about what they do. But I think trying to educate them on something that's, in a sense, the effect is seemingly invisible to them. They can walk down to the beach and they can see rubbish on the beach, but they can't see an antibiotic floating around. So it's quite hard for them to associate Mm their impacts on what they're actually doing and it's what they're doing at that level versus what's coming out the other end and that's really hard to educate people on that subject it is but i think that this is part of broader conversation about antimicrobial resistance and we are starting to see this if you watch i'm a celebrity during the adverts they had keep antibiotics working and these little animated antibiotics dancing around and trying to highlight the importance of using them only under veterinary or human doctor supervision not demanding antibiotics from your doctor when you've got a cough which is more likely viral etc so these messages are coming out if we don't get this right AMR does risk being the next health apocalypse. And I always seem like a doom monger when I start (laughs) quoting these numbers, but there are suggestions. And I think, unfortunately, these are quite 
valid nowadays, that by 2050, we could be looking at 10 million people dying per year due to multidrug resistant infections. That is a phenomenal number of people. It's the current population of Sweden. Three million people died in that first year of COVID. And we were all panicked and reacting, I think, appropriately because Mm. of that threat. We need to react the same way. We do need to do more because we're part of the problem. And COVID came about and hit us and we then had to take measures and work out ways to mitigate it and to get on top of that as a pandemic. But antimicrobial resistance is something that we are unfortunately contributing to. We are making this problem worse and we're increasing the likelihood that we will find ourselves in a post-antibiotic era because there isn't that opportunity to develop new antibiotics to solve the problem. We are going to potentially have to protect the ones that we have at the moment to make sure they are still useful. If we want to go for chemotherapy, if we want to have joint replacements, new hips, new knees, we need functioning antibiotics. So I think that safe disposal is just one of the components of it, but it's an opportunity for a conversation. And I think pet owners are receptive to some of these things. And if you say to them, have you got antibiotics left at home? They might wonder why you're asking that. Why? What's the purpose of this conversation? And it leads into the importance of not giving them inappropriately, not polluting the environment and Mm -hmm. making sure they are safely disposed of. Vets aren't trying to reuse these. They're not going to have them back and put them on the shelf again. They are going to actually pay a little bit of money for them to be disposed of and incinerated safely. So it's not a profit opportunity for vets. It's really very much doing the right thing by the environment. And so we come back to the disposal. Is it as simple as that? They're just going to be incinerated? Yeah. So since June this year, any practice that is at GP level under the RCVS practice standards scheme has to take an active role in recovering leftover pharmaceutics. And this applies across the board, not just to antibiotics. So we have a duty of care that even though we sell these products, we are still responsible for them until either they end up in a patient or they get returned to us so that they can be safely disposed of. And there are special collection pathways and special dupe containers that can accommodate this returned material and ensure that it is safely disposed of. And all vet practices have those systems in place already. So maybe just round off with how the amnesty went in 2022. Just give us a bit of a, a kind of guide on on how successful it was. We were really proud of it. We felt it went very well. It was something of a pilot. As I said, this idea came from NHS Midlands. They ran a version across pharmacies in the Midlands area in 2021. So they showed yeah. that this process could be done. And when they introduced this idea across to veterinary and we did put this out across the profession and the first thing to say is that we were really very proud of the response that we got from all sorts of different areas the veterinary medicines directorate rcvs knowledge the rcvs themselves the bsava bva beva all the veterinary corporates they got behind it the federation of independent veterinary 
events that all these groups very much embraced the idea of the amnesty and mm -hmm. took steps to try and get involved. So I think it is one that we can say captured the imagination across the profession. We probably started everything moving a little bit late last year and there were trying to get that message out and trying to cascade it to every practice didn't work quite as well as we'd hoped. But nonetheless, we did have over 150 practices that got actively involved in the uh, amnesty. We had <laughs> returns of a variety of different antibiotic products, including over 750 antibiotic tablets, 12 part boxes of tablets, lots of antibiotic eardrop bottles, several antibiotic injections. And among mm. these, we had some of the highest priority, critically important antibiotics. So things like fluoroquinolones. And so that was great to get the antibiotics back. We were pleased to recuperate those. But for me, that's only part of the value of this amnesty. The other thing is that people became aware of it. Lots of conversations were had with pet owners and lots of people said, actually, I've never had them. I've, I've not been in that situation. I've always followed the vet's advice. I've completed the course. But it's interesting that you've said that. And we will take our antibiotics back to our pharmacy because we've got some of our own left. Or yeah. there are other benefits that come out of it. They will think mm. carefully about it in the future. They will maybe challenge the vet as to, do you really need to give me six months worth of this antibiotic? Should we start with a shorter course. So mm. uh, not just get some of these antibiotics back, but almost more importantly, raise awareness. And yeah. we did try and have quite a high digital footprint and a press footprint. So there was all sorts of articles that went out in Companion, Vet Times, Vet Record, Dogs Monthly, Your Cat, Veterinary Edge, that we were on Webinar Vet, we produced a little animation that we managed to leak out via Facebook and Twitter. And it's just a short animation trying to make people aware of it. And we had some really good feedback from BSAVA practices. So we did have a survey and lots of BSAVA practices got back and said that they participated in it. We had feedback from as far abroad as well, Cuba, I believe, and Pakistan. Wow. So there were other countries that thought about this. We've had interest from New Zealand and Australia. We did summarise our findings. There is a report on the amnesty that's hosted on RCVS Knowledge and the Rumour Companion Animal Equine pages. So those are accessible. And we wrote a little article that, or a letter to Nature Medicine, so trying to encourage people to get involved this year and to do it again. So uh, I think it was, it, we can do better. That's the bottom line. We want to do better. We want to get more people involved. But already we showed that there was an enthusiasm. There was a space for this type of approach. And so hopefully we can do it even more this year. So 2023 is going to just be amazing. We've got our kind of plan ready to go and what we need to do. So what is the plan to get us kicking off with the amnesty this year? Well, I really hope so. And Already there is an opportunity. I would encourage people to go to the Rumour Companion Animal Equine website where you mm -hmm. can sign up and get information. Already there are lots of resources, lots of assets on those pages. And it's also, it's mirrored on the RCVS Knowledge website. And so you can download posters to show in your waiting room, making owners aware of the amnesty. There is some 
guidance on how to do it because what we are suggesting is that you have a dedicated container to collect these somewhere in the practice where we can count how many returns we get. We want to inform as many parts of the veterinary team. So this is this is an initiative that is really as available or involvable for our client care team, our vet nurses, vets who are during the consultations. We want to be raising awareness of that. So there's tools there. There's a little animation video that you can download and share on your practice Facebook site or page, whatever you wish to do. We are really looking to try and make this as easy as possible for practices to be involved in. We don't want this to be onerous. We want it to be straightforward. So this will run for the whole of November this year. So that overlaps World AMR Awareness Week. I think there's going to be a lot of things going on during that particular week. Bova have their (laughs) suite of tools as well. There will be Things like Go Blue for AMR. So last year during Strictly, the Blackpool Tower went blue and it was just to highlight the importance of this issue. And I think there are lots of different ways you can get involved. Become an antibiotic guardian, go on the antibiotic guardian webpage, make a pledge, look at ways that you can actually contribute to antimicrobial stewardship in some form. And I think the amnesty is an easy one to participate in. It's minimal effort for hopefully maximum return. And I hope that we've made it as easy as possible for practices. We really want you to put up some posters, start talking about it, I think, from October. Try and encourage Mm -hmm. others. You could consider, if you are prescribing antibiotics, put a little note on the label, please return any unused product. You could remind people if they are prescribing antibiotics, look, if your cat or dog doesn't get on with these treatments, don't throw them away. Bring them back. We must make sure that we dispose of these appropriately. Rattle through some of the points that we've made about environmental pollution and etc. So I hope that people will go to those sites, Rumour, Companion Animal Equine and RCVS Knowledge, to try and get that material, get that on board, see if they can inform as many members of staff as possible about the amnesty and encourage those conversations throughout November. There will be an opportunity at the end of the month to audit each practice's individual success. And it's really just so that we can learn what works and what's out in the environment. Are people left with a lot of certain antibiotics because Animals don't always get on with it. Are there other things? So if we can find out what antibiotics are left over, that's really useful to us. So there will be a survey that will be hosted by BSAVA and it will be an opportunity to report how many antibiotics you get back, but also to report how you got on with the amnesty process in general. What was good about it? What wasn't so good? And (laughs) how many conversations were had within the practice? How many people do you think you raise their awareness, raise their knowledge level about this important topic. And to encourage people to do that, because I realise that that part is a little bit of extra work, there are some prizes. And we did prizes last year. We're going to do them again this year that will incentivize people to hopefully provide us with that information. So please do get involved in the amnesty. That's the bottom line. We'd be <laughs> delighted. But please also tell us about your experiences and complete that survey so that we can hopefully 
demonstrate that this movement is building and reinforce these things to keep us going into 2024. I mean, that just sounds so exciting. Prizes aside, I I think, yes, it's great. You've incentivised people with a prize, but it's so easy. And I think as part of this podcast, I will try and put as many of those links into this podcast as I can so that it's nice and easy for people who are listening just to click on the podcast link and any communications we do around this. It will be great to have the videos. We can start sharing those on social media as well. So any practices listening, you can then share from Bova or anywhere else you can see these videos from. So and good luck to whoever wins the prize. What's the prize going to be? Do we know? There are a variety of prizes, actually. Variety. We've been very lucky, oh. um, including BSAVA Congress um, tickets. There we go. Um, they can come and see both at the Congress. Lots of things <laughs> you can see at Congress. It's brilliant. Um, there will be some BSAVA manuals. We had a whole variety from the stakeholders who'd got involved in this. So NOAA compendiums, really reflecting the wide engagement in the amnesty. Yeah. I mean, prizes aside, we are all in this together. It is, as you say, the One Health approach. This affects humans, animals, and also the environment as well. So this is just an absolutely fantastic initiative. And we fully support you and we will be here as Bova as much as we can help the industry. And any suggestions as a manufacturer that we can do to support would be greatly received by anybody in practice so let us know we're trying to do as much as we can as a manufacturer as a whole so but you know we're all in this together we all are very much part of the Mm. team we're all part of the the industry so we play a big part as individuals and collectively so Fergus thank you so much this has been absolutely fantastic and I hope people listening will jump on board and we actively encourage people to jump on board because this is needed so thank you very much for your time No, thank you ever so much. And yes, I'm grateful for you sharing the links because the more people that we can get involved in this, the merrier. So please do get involved in the Antibiotic Amnesty 2023. Thank you. And we'll also be in touch at some point to talk more about the Protect Me poster and also the short antibiotic courses. So keep an eye out for the other resources that we will be working on with Fergus and also as wider as Bova Scholars during November. So thank you. Thank you very much. These podcasts are aimed for registered vets and veterinary nurses. If you're listening as a pet owner, then we always advise that if you have any concerns about your animal, then please consult with your local veterinary surgeon. (laughs) 